Welcome to today's edition of the Blazing Grace Show with your trio of hosts, Jason Graves, Rob McIntyre, and Mike Janum. Blazing Grace covers blazing issues with grace-filled answers. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Here are your hosts, Jason, Rob, and Mike. Do male prostitutes exist? And if so, do they need a savior? Well, we're going to answer that question today for sure. We're visiting today with Syl Davis of Emmaus Ministry, along with uh, the regulars, Partners in Crime, Rob McIntyre, and <laughs> Mike Janong. Hello, fellas. Hey, I, I, I just got out on probation. Uh, crime. What's up with crime, Jason? Crime? This is, this is a crime against the enemy, though, right? Yeah. yeah there you go. Like okay. Something like that. So <laughs> speaking of crime... Uh, we're going to be uh, looking at an issue that often leads to time in the clink. And uh, we got a ministry that is r- reaching out to these folks on the streets. So, so welcome needed. to the show, Sil. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me on. Hey, it's our pleasure, and it's an honor, especially mm-hmm. with I mean, the, what you're doing out there. And I know you've got a tremendous story to tell in how God has brought you to doing this ministry. So why don't we start there? Tell us, our, our listeners, a little bit about you and, and how God brought you into doing Emmaus. Okay. Um, well, I, I grew up in the, the Midwest, in the suburbs of Chicago, and I am um, the oldest in my family. And so grew up in a, a definitely a Christian home. I come from a background of church starters and um, of ministers in various denominations. But um, from a very early age, I knew that something was different and couldn't quite put my finger on it. Um, and when I was about the fourth grade, um, I was molested, um, and it happened to be with somebody that was babysitting me, mm-hmm. um, as well as experimenting with other young men that were my age. And so I've been sexually active for a very long time. And um, growing up, and definitely everybody said that they could see the calling of God on my life and, mm-hmm. and definitely feeling that. But also, there was this other part, this secret that I had and something that I could not discuss with anyone. And so um struggled all through grade school and high school with my sexuality and uh, at points even getting involved with other young men that were in our church youth group. And... Um, just a very hard time, and hearing sermon preached about if you are um, homosexual, you were going to die and you were going to go to hell, and um, also that people said that if your faith was strong enough and if you just prayed, um, that God would be able to heal you and He would take away whatever issues that you had. And so as I was doing this, and the feelings and the thoughts and the actions weren't going away, I definitely felt let down by God and the church as well. Hmm. And when I entered um, college, there were points where I would say, okay, I wasn't going to be sexual at all with anyone um, and would be successful at that for hmm. six months to a year at times and um, just really struggling very bad. And in my early 20s, start venturing out on my own into the gay community and hmm. start going to different clubs and and trying to find out if I could fit in there, and, and I never really did. Hmm. Uh, tended to gravitate towards older men, and, and I guess I was, in retrospect, looking for someone to sort of be this father figure and show me the ropes, um, so to speak, to what was happening in into the life. Um, and at the same time, 
this was when the the AIDS crisis was really hitting, and I was involved in social services at the time, and um, just got tired of the whole thing of, you know, going to get tested, oh, my God, did I catch something, do something? And I found this um, article. We have a – it was an underground newspaper at the time. It was called The Reader, and I saw this ad that said if you were – dealing with a variety of issues, homosexuality being one, called this number, and it happened to be for a conference that um, was being put on by a ministry here that I'm a part of called Overcomers, a mm-hmm. Christian ministry, mm-hmm. um, and Moody Church. And oh, so I, I went to this day-long conference and, you know, sweating bullets, hoping I wouldn't <laughs> run into anyone that I know of. And right. um, it was just amazing this to see these other group of Christians who talked about being set free, Uh, not to sort of grin and bear it and it all be better in the great by and by on the other side, but talking of true freedom. And so I went through orientation at the ministry following the conference and have been a part of the ministry since 93, and I serve as the director there um, of the ministry. And, And one of the key things was, so for me, anyway, to stop focusing on who I was having sex with, mm-hmm. um, because even at periods where I was um, sexually involved with women, it became an issue of, as a single Christian, should I be sexually active at all, mm-hmm. um, regardless of who that was with. And so as I dealt with that issue and where God would have me be, he he started really delivering and working with me on a variety of things. Um, anger, having been molested by mm-hmm. both men and women, and some of the physical and spiritual abuse that I had experienced as a, a child coming up. And so, um, was that uh, fourth grade <clears throat> molestation you talked about with the babysitter with the man or a woman? It was a woman. Oh, yeah. yeah. Wow. And so, and that relationship continued until I started hitting. Um, puberty, and then she got afraid that at that point that I might um, impregnate her. And so she just cut the relationship off. Um, And it was hard because this was also someone that I saw on a regular basis. She was considered part of my family. Um, And I also knew the problems it would cause if I ever came forward with that information. So I, I, I never did until many years later. What happened with that? Um... You know, my my parents were understanding, and, you know, they would just question, why didn't you come to us back then? Mm -hmm. And um, we never actually confronted um, the lady, but it was definitely, she was no longer in the bosom of the family, so to speak. She's still around because she's having some severe health crisis right now. We still help her out and and that sort of thing. So, I I don't want to minimize your story because it sounds very painful and Mm -hmm. and all the stuff you went through in the two different lives, you know, your Christian life and then your secret life. But what would you say to somebody who's right now been abused and uh, doesn't have anybody to talk to or hasn't told their parents or somebody in authority? Would you uh, give them different advice than what you took? Oh, most definitely. I I would say to um, find a counselor, preferably a Christian counselor, you know, find a church, um, a school counselor, somebody that you can talk to, um, because I felt that it was my fault Mm -hmm. and uh, Mm. something was wrong with me. You know, why did she cut the relationship off? Um, 
And many times kids, and, and especially if it's someone of the same sex, they feel that they're the ones that are gay or that right. they had this written across their forehead, as one young man told me, and so it, it's not their fault. Right, right. Excellent. And, and similarly, what would you say to the abuser? Because obviously you've um, been abused, and many of us, as um, you put it here, your Emmaus Ministries is reaching out to make uh, Jesus known on the streets among men involved in sexual exploitation. So mm-hmm. uh, those of us who have been in, involved in sexual uh, impurity, somebody's getting exploited. And so what would you say to sexual abusers or sexual uh, exploiters? That they as well, they need to tell someone, don't hold it as a secret. Many times they're leading a double life. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I find in, in over the years in doing ministry and social services that many times that they're married, and so it, it causes all sorts of complications. And so that God loves them just as well. He yeah. um, He does not become a respecter of persons. Mm-hmm. Amen. Praise God. Do well, those per- are healing words. Do persons that abuse necessarily, have they necessarily been abused themselves? Sometimes that's the case, and, and sometimes it's not. You know, the more that I, I do this type of ministry, I, I find there's no cookie-cutter approach. Right. Sometimes that they haven't been, um, but they definitely have a sense of helplessness and powerless um, in several areas of their life, or if not across the board, be that in their personal lives, on their jobs. And so sexuality it's one way that it's something that we all have control of and that no one can come in um, to your bedroom or wherever you happen to be to tell you how to operate. And so many times the, the person uh, that's the abuser is, feels so empowered by that, and that becomes the addiction in itself, mm-hmm. not necessarily the sexual part of it but the, the sense of power. Yeah, I've worked with guys who've been in prison for that, and the words that keep coming up were power and control. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. Well, let's shift gears a little bit, and let's talk a little bit more about what you're doing with Emmaus. And, uh, of course, we just talked about your mission. Your purpose is to provide hope in Christ for men involved in sexual exploitation by developing ministries of evangelism, transformation, and education. I love that. And, you know, let's deal with this, uh, first of all, this idea of sexual exploitation as a male prostitute. Uh, So some would say, well, you know, these people are choosing Hmm. to sell themselves. These people are choosing to uh, become a prostitute, uh, and they're males. I mean, we typically think of prostitutes as as females. So break that down for us, uh, for somebody who who says, hey, they're not being exploited. Mm Mm-hmm. the background of a lot of the men who come to a mess has have been they come from sexual abuse situations. They come they're products of um, the child welfare system, mm-hmm. so they've been taken away from from their parents. Uh, we have one young man that's incarcerated right now, um, and he's in his early twenties. And he was saying by the time he was eighteen, he had been in seventeen different placements. Wow. And so there's the sense of, you know, I'm just all by myself. Um, there's no one that you can rely on, uh, that you can go to. And so for many of the the, the young men, um, I call them predator spirits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so whereas people may say, well, they saw or people pegged us as gay, no, what they saw was that this young man had a sense of loss mm-hmm. in his life, uh, 
and and so they get to them by being nice and then eventually lure them into the scene of being sexual. Mm-hmm. And so um, also a lot of our the men that come to a mess, they have mental difficulties or uh, mental health diagnosis, so they're schizophrenic, bipolar. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have learning disabilities that have never been diagnosed. Mm-hmm. And it, so they feel dumb and stupid. Yeah, right. I hear, I mean, just in some of the stories and in your own story, you know, I hear a lot of pain, a uh, right. lot of brokenness. And, you know, uh, my my experience, I was a cop for 15 years out in the Bay Area. And I just remember it was really easy for us as a law enforcement community to just really shove these people aside and put them in an institution and really not care for their hearts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, now here, here I always tell people I went from thugs to hugs, you know, okay. being a cop to counselor. Actually, so people usually laugh at that. Okay. They think it's funny. That's okay. Uh, okay. You can laugh. Usually. But, <laughs> usually. usually. But, uh, but, you know, what, what I sense now is there's just not a heart for those people who are disregarded like this. And, and what I really appreciate about your story and about what you've gone through is that there's a compassion and a love for these people, for the, the ones who've been discarded by our society. Right, exactly. Right. And, and and if we don't, if the church, that's the church's calling. Right, exactly. That's what we were Amen. called to do. Amen. If we don't do something, these cycles are going to continue. Um, people always assume, too, that men involved in prostitution are gay. Mm. Um, a large right. percentage of our men don't identify themselves as gay. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, sex is their job. Right. Sex has been what they have done to survive. And so mm-hmm. many of our guys, because sex is also seen as part of being a man, will have women and multiple women that they're involved with and may have multiple partners on that side of things as well as multiple children by these women. Mm-hmm. And so if we don't come in as a body of believers to do something, then what's going to happen to these young men and ladies? They're leading down that road of um, possible prostitution and other Absolutely. things as well. Absolutely, right, right. Well, if you're just tuning in, welcome to the Blazing Grace Show. And uh, we're visiting with a special guest today. This is Syl Davis of Emmaus Ministries in Chicago. And uh, you can find out more information about what they're doing with men on the streets, you know, men involved in sexual exploitation, whether that's prostitution or just uh, sexual abuse backgrounds. Uh, on the web at streets.org. And if you want to email Sill, uh, you can reach him directly at sill at streets.org. Or call him on the phone. That's area code 773-334-6063. So, Sill, let's talk a little bit about that kind of compartmentalization of mm. sex that you're kind of getting right. at. Is that, hey, these men don't identify as homosexual. They are having homosexual sex. They may have some level of same gender attraction, but uh, for all intents and purposes, their experience it could be fairly described as bisexual in that they're sexually active with both or that you know, their attractions are mixed. Um, but you said, hey, for them, it's a job. Right. So isn't that happening both on the micro level with individuals and in the macro sense in our culture? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, I mean, you see some of the same behaviors with uh, kids who are in high school, and so they, a lot of times they will identify themselves as bisexual mm. because they also equate sex with love. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the more people that I'm able to have sex with, the more love that I can receive, and I'm not being biased because we shouldn't have any bias against anyone's preference mm. and uh, you know, just be neutral 
and unisex across the board. And right. so in lies the, the danger of what's happening. Sure. And that as we create various institutions, be the church as an institution and how we deal with sex, definitely we see uh, with the young men that we service at a mass prison, for instance. Mm-hmm. And so we know that these young men are going in, and many times as teenagers being placed in adults' prison. Right. And so sex becomes, you know, how they, again, how they survive. Right. And um, I just personally believe that a large part of our sexuality is learned behavior. And so if you're doing something for years and you come out of prison, that doesn't mean that it's going to stop. And and so you may have somebody that comes back to their wife or girlfriend or gets in a relationship, but then they have those parts of them that um, they go out and they're having sex with men. Uh, one of our guys explained it this way. He said he learned that love came from women. And so that was that gentle, intimate type of love or sexual behavior. But sex came from men. Hmm. And so that was that raw, no-holds-barred, you know, rough, whatever the spectrum may be. And that's where the men fit into his life. Hmm. So how do you introduce them to Jesus Christ, to the true love that they're looking for? Um the first step for our ministries in our ministry of evangelism, we have outreach teams that are out in the areas where the men hustle and so mm. uh, or prostitute. And the outreach teams are out between 10 and 3, and most of them stay out later, sometime at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, wow. um, six nights a week. Wow. And this is year-round. And so in, in all types of weather and uh, they're just there to buy a cup of coffee, get a sandwich, introduce themselves, and then we have our information on a card that uh, can go in someone's wallet, but it also has shelter information, other health information. So, you know, we're not leaving ourselves as the only way for them to come out. And then we invite them um, through the outreach teams to come down to the ministry center. So uh, I'm just curious, uh, just for safety mm-hmm. reasons and, and dealing in that high crime area uh, that it is, how, what does your uh, ministry teams look like? What are they comprised of, two, three people? Um, always two persons and generally a, a man and a woman together. Wow. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, they learn the, the ropes there. Mm-hmm. There's a, um extensive training that we do before anyone goes out, and then they always go out with either our coordinator of outreach or more experienced team members before we partner them up, right. um, because a lot of our outreach comes from the Christian schools located in the Chicago area. Wow. Right, right. Mm. Now, uh, I want to talk about kind of the contrast of where you're at, and particularly with Boys Town being so close to Wrigley Field and that kind of mm-hmm. I- irony there. But first, if you're listening in the Chicago area specifically, um, streets.org has a, w- a wish list. And I just think this is great. I mean, with the, the shelter that you're operating whatnot, you need clothing. You need food. Uh, you've got a kitchen that has some needs. Uh, bathrooms, sim- things as simple as cleaning supplies. If you are in the Chicago area and if you can visit the Internet uh, for Emmaus Ministries, uh, streets.org forward slash wish list dot HTML, um, they've got a whole list of things on there that, that, mm. that you can donate. And, and you can even call them at 773 334 6063. Again, that's 773 
334-6063. Because still, I mean, when you're reaching out to people, God said, if we don't do something about their physical needs, right. how, have we, how have we really helped them, right? Correct. Right. Right. So let's talk about the irony of where you are. And, and obviously, with just a couple of minutes left, um, you are uh, ministering to people right around Boys Town in mm-hmm. Chicago. And, you know, Boys Town is very near Wrigley Field, isn't it? Correct, it is. So here we've got, you know, the Cubs, you know, Wrigley Field, and uh, what a symbol of masculinity. You know, baseball, Mm. right? I mean, boys love baseball. But yet you've got right around it these people desperately trying to find masculinity and manhood Mm. and acting out sexually, and in fact, even going so far as to sell themselves to others doing the same. Mm -hmm. And isn't that ironic? Um, Yes, it is, as well as there are areas downtown where are men who are homeless and poor and, and sometimes drug addicted in some of the more affluent neighborhoods, as well as um, multiple areas along the lakefront um, and actually in the parks and mm-hmm. around some of the tourist attraction places. And, and so these are places that people know. Um, our guys will read the newspaper when certain conventions and things are happening because they know those are times that they can make money. Wow, that's right. Yeah, and, you know, you've got a big market there. I mean, Chicago's a big place. But, I mean, you're even doing some ministry down in Houston, isn't that right? Um, correct. We wow. we have a ministry that um, in Houston. Um, there's a couple of the sailors who were part of our, our ministry and did some internships here. And when they moved to Houston, um, they met a young man who was standing outside of a grocery store, and he was asking for um, some assistance with food. And as they got to talking to him, they found out that he was prostituting. And so the Lord led them to start in Mayus, Houston. Wow. Fantastic. Praise God. Wow. So if you're in the Houston area and you want to get involved with what they're doing, um, I mean, you guys have been focused on, uh, featured on Focus on the Family radio, right? Correct. And, I mean, if you want to get involved down there in the Houston, Texas area, again, go to the, the web. Um, you can find them at uh, streets.org. Hey, Syl, it's been a pleasure, man. Thanks for being mm-hmm. with us. Thank you so much for having me. And join us again next week when we tune in with Syl and Emmaus Ministries. But for now, Rob, you've got a special message to our Los Angeles listeners. Absolutely. Uh, Jesus said, if you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. And, uh, you know, Jason, Mike, and I spent a couple hours or actually um, a day uh, praying about what 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 the Lord is leading us to do. And what we want to do is we want to support and feature ministries that are helping the sexually broken. And, uh, you know, L.A., we love you. Our heart for uh, coming out there is to to touch those those people out there who are broken and who need hope in Jesus Christ. Uh, but we're also coming to a, a decision here where we need to know if you are hearing us. We need to know if we are uh, are making an inway into your hearts and into your homes. So if we've brought hope to you, let us know. And if you can consider uh, financially supporting us, that would be great. But remember, if you do it unto the least of these, you've done it unto the Lord. So consider that. Please prayerfully consider financially donating to us. Thank you for tuning in to this edition of the Blazing Grace Show. We trust today's broadcast helps bring you closer to God and to what God desires for your life. Blazing Grace is a listener-supported mission intended to help listeners around the world. Your support is vital in keeping that mission alive. We ask you to prayerfully consider sending a tax-deductible gift to Blazing Grace. It would be gratefully appreciated. You can send your monetary gift to Blazing 
Amazing Grace, P.O. Box 62521, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80962-2521. That's Blazing Grace, P.O. Box 62521, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80962-2521. Want to learn more about Blazing Grace? Find us on the internet at www.blazinggrace.org. That's www.blazinggrace.org forward slash radio dot htm. On that page, you'll find a downloadable copy of this show, or you can visit oneplace.com under ministries look for blazing grace radio if you want help resolving a sexual addiction you can reach rob mcintyre and jason graves toll free by dialing 877-590-SOUL that's 877-590-7685 desire for a specific subject to be covered on blazing grace tell mike janung what you want covered you can email mike at Mike, the symbol at blazinggrace.org. We look forward to sharing more blazing issues and grace-filled answers next time. Thanks once again for listening and may God shine his grace upon you.